What's up, everybody? My name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new. Something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Uh, welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all know me, Sid, and the homie Reg. Yo, what's him, people? Um, first off, we want to thank everybody who listened to the first show last week uh, and gave their feedback and um, even gave out some topics for us to start touching on and things of that nature. Uh, it's 100% uh, appreciated. Greatly appreciated. And, yeah, and we definitely want that going forward. Uh, keep giving us your feedback, your comments, um, and things like that. Uh, as far as this week, per usual, we're going to start off with Saints Talk. Uh, we took on the 49ers in the Dome this Sunday. Um, and for the most part, it went as we saw it going and as we discussed it going last week. But uh, overall, what did you what did you take from that game, Reg? It went just about as expected. I did not see us falling behind to San Francisco 10-0 uh, that quickly. However, I pretty much knew that the defense would come out flat, and flat I mean basic, just a stock defense, nothing crazy. Uh, what you see is what you're going to get. It would be no disguising, nothing that we would have pulled out for a better quarterback or a more veteran quarterback. I felt like, we took that approach just like we do with many other teams that's suffering with injuries. We let them play into our hands, let them make a few mistakes. Our offense score points. We get back in the game. Mm. Once we go up, it's over. Once we went up six, seven, especially double digits, 10 points, it was no way San Francisco had the firepower to get back into the game. Yeah. Um, And... I text you, and we were texting during the game, of course, but uh, I told you at the beginning of the game, it's giving me that Detroit game feels. I was like, right. so we don't win down 10, and then it stops here. We're going to get a stop, we're going to score, and then we're not going to stop scoring. And right. that's basically uh, right. how that went. Um, San Francisco, hey, they played as well as they could under the circumstances. Um one thing we're not going to do is let a team run on us. So we knew that that wasn't right. going to. That From was, the door. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're not going to let you run on us. So what are you going to be able to do with your passing game? And them being on a backup quarterback and missing a lot of um, talent uh, receivers. Tight that Joe, uh, Kittle's gone. Um, they missing running backs. Like, they're just a beat-up team who. Uh, like you say, they came out and, and started real strong, but they just don't have enough to. They didn't have enough to keep it to keep it up. Correct. One thing I like about San Francisco is their head coach, his play calling ability. And by play calling, I don't necessarily mean calling this when it's needed or calling that whenever the defense in this you know front or whatever. What I'm referring to is the production. The production he get out of what's there. Uh, like the saying goes, the best availability is the, the people that's available at that present time, basically. So I like what he get out of his available players. He put together somewhat of a game plan that could have worked if the game would have stayed intact. 
But mm. once we went up double digits, it, it was pretty much over from that from that uh point forward. And like we talked about, uh, special teams, special teams kind of killed San Francisco. They set up in good scoring position uh, and put that defense right back on the field that is already thin to begin with. So they they were pretty much doomed from that point forward. Uh, it just never was a ball game. Exactly, like you say, um, like you say, even even with that that them jumping out ten points, um, turnovers. <laughs> Turnovers is one thing they definitely couldn't have been that, like you say, they already got to beat up squad on offense right. and defense. So you get ten points, you know, you you can't start giving the ball over to a team that's already from top to bottom better than you and be able to withstand that. Right. Um. Yeah, uh, a healthy San Francisco team that game would have looked completely different. Um. Totally, totally different. It, Honestly, it would have been completely different if Drew Brees had been healthy the whole game too. Like it would have been even a worse, <laughs> a worse beating for them than what was given. But um, like you said, we we both saw this going the same way. Um, going forward, the topic everybody's discussing now is Drew Brees uh, and how his injury is going to affect the Saints going forward. What is your take on that? So I didn't make a a huge deal about us missing Drew Brees because the schedule, the remaining schedule, we should be able to pull off at least four to five more wins. If Drew Brees was healthy and the Saints get even hotter than what they are and we lost one out of the remaining seven games and that one probably would be KC. That's the only team looking at the remaining of the schedule that I feel is favored to beat us in any way, uh, shape or form. So with Jameis Winston, every, I know a lot of people don't like Jameis Winston. A lot of people love Taysom Hill. They want to see Taysom Hill get his chance and prove himself. And, you know, he's such a fiery football player that, Fans fall in love with him, man. and I'm one of them. I love Taysom Hill when he's doing Taysom Hillish things. Uh, when he's playing special teams, when he's blocking kicks, fake punts, and and all that good stuff, lining up at slot tight end, throwing big blocks, QB option, he keeping and he you know just plows into the safeties. I like all that stuff, but none of that converts over if he's going to be our starting quarterback. So I'm more than sure it's going to be Jameis uh, Winston at this point. And I'm, I'm really not worried because at the end of the day, I look at it like I'm, I'm leaning more towards Sean Payton bailing us out more than Jameis Winston. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm putting this on, on Sean Payton, not, not Jameis Winston. So I feel pretty good going forward. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any worries. Um, once again, we're, we're putting the situation – uh, similar to the one we were last year when Teddy Bridgewater had to take over for five games. Um, I, I don't – I mean, I guess I can see it, but I don't I don't understand how there's still hype in Taysom Hill being our quarterback. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really understand it at this point. Um, there was no question to me who was coming in once Drew said he couldn't go. Like, I, I, I don't understand how people would think that Taysom Hill is the answer. Um, but going forward, like I say, uh, we've had this conversation off air plenty of times how Jameis 
Jameis isn't any worse than Teddy Bridgewater is. Um, ta- uh, you know, talent wise, he's probably better. Um, it just comes down to can he now take care of the ball? I agree mm-hmm. with you. Uh, the bigger the bigger thing here is Sean Payton, not who whoever's going out there at quarterback. It's Sean Payton and how well he's going to scheme and protect these quarterbacks going forward, which we have no reason to doubt his capabilities of doing so, mm-hmm. especially especially with what he did with Teddy Bridgewater last year. Um, and the schedule, like the Falcons, the Broncos, the, we might get to an Eagles game and, and Drew Brees is still out, but either way, the only concern really is the fact that they that we have three straight road games in there. Mm-hmm. Um, going going to Denver and going to Philly, that would probably cause us uh, some issues, regardless of who was that quarterback, because both of those are cold weather and outdoor stadiums. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, the fact that once again, Sean Payton, Jameis Winston is a competent quarterback. Like I say, we just gotta hope that the risk and the chances that he's been taking in previous years gets eliminated by what Sean Payton is drawing up and scheming for him. Um, and the fact that now at this point we're healthy right? outside of Drew Brees. Now, now Michael Thomas is back. Emmanuel Sanders is back. Callaway is out there. Um, we're going to run it a whole lot more now, of yep. course. But yeah, I I really don't see this derailing us um, much, if at all, going forward. I don't think we go five and zero over the next five. I don't think we go three and zero over the next three games as Drew Brees misses the next three games. But as we discussed last week, I felt like we were gonna mess around and drop one of those games anyway. Right, if not two. So yeah, I I don't I don't think this changes much, which is a great position to be in. Uh, because you let Drew Brees take all the time he needs to heal up, and you're giving him extra rest for what is expected to be a long playoff run. Yep. So you you said um, you think we're going to run the ball or you hope we run the ball much more, and that's always been the case for me. I feel like we don't use Murray nearly as much as we should. By all means, there is no substitute for Elvin Kamara. However, Murray is a very serviceable backup, very serviceable. He catched the ball uh, very good in the backfield. He's a, a big a big running back. I mean, he, he's good in the uh, red zone areas. I, I just would like to see us use him more. Uh, and we touched about this off air. When he was getting 15 and, and 12 mm-hmm. to 15 carries a game, he was making the most out of them. And I didn't even realize, for one, that uh, he was even getting that many carries. It still felt like seven to eight for me because I want him to get 15, 18 touches. I really feel like it should be no different from when we had Mark Ingram to how we line up right now. That's just me. I feel like our O-line is that good uh, that when we run the ball, when we control the line of scrimmage, when we do those things, it just make it that much more easier for the defense to do their job. And I can agree with that. The only thing I would say about that going forward, which once again, I know that the ball is going to get ran more going forward, but that if we were going to be running um, Murray more, 
that's something to do before Drew Brees gets hurt. It's not after. Right. Like mm. We can't, yeah, we can't all of a sudden say, okay, now we have to run the ball this much more and then let that be what gets focused in on. Um, and like I say, I, I'm quite sure he trusts Jameis enough once he starts getting full week uh, reps at a at starting quarterback to actually go out there with a similar game plan to what it would normally be. Right. And the thing about Jameis, you say that you really don't see that much of a difference from, from Jameis Winston to Teddy Bridgewater. To me, there is a bit of a difference. Jameis Winston was put in a situation where he was pretty much deemed the starter from the moment he stepped on stage and got drafted. Teddy was was the same way, but Teddy was put more in a situation where they asked him to manage games, not necessarily go out there and win them. Jameis, he always had that role and that responsibility of winning the game. You know, we need the 25, we need the 30 points. He never had a defense that he can depend on the whole lead or go out there and, and uh, establish the dominance of the game from the from kickoff. He never played with that. Now, given the, the situation that he was put in last Sunday, to me, he handled everything greatly. Um, the thing about our locker room, we would never ask him to step up and be that full leader and take on all the weight that Drew Brees carried for us all season long. So that in itself is a benefit. But we we have to make sure that Jameis don't get sidetracked and throw that that testy ball when he doesn't have to. He doesn't force it in coverage. You know, he understands that it's okay to punt the ball off, let your defense do their job. Hopefully they'll give you right back the ball. So if he's able to do those things, we're going to be all right. Because at this point, Elvin Kamara is the answer to everything. To, I mean, to absolutely everything. No matter what we need, Elvin Kamara, uh, if the ball is in his hands, is in, is in good hands. So, you know, just I don't want to say follow what Drew Brees done because that's that's pretty much almost impossible for him to, to achieve that. But Sean Payton to put together a game plan that will allow Jameis Winston to throw the ball, I don't see no more than, than 20, 20 times a game. And I wouldn't be surprised if, we see your boy, your favorite Saints player, Taysom Hill under center. Oh, I wouldn't say under center, but taking snaps uh, live, uh, even even more now that Drew is out. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets seven snaps a game now uh, doing what he does. Um, Yeah, I definitely think there's going to be an uptick in his play going forward. Uh, I do disagree about Jameis, though. Uh, I, think he, I think he definitely goes out there and throws the ball more than 20 times a game still. Well, he might throw it 20, but I'm just saying go, when he was with Tampa Bay, he was going and saying, I'm throwing this thing 35, 40 times. Oh, I'm just saying, yeah. yeah, we don't need that. Yeah, no, we don't need that at all. Right. <laughs> um, but once again, the talent is like he's surrounded by talent just like he was in Tampa Bay. Like we, the, the point that we both made is just he has to not turn the ball over. And if he can manage to not turn the ball over, we're going to be perfectly fine. Yep. I agree with that. Um, So a game you wanted to touch on from last week was a game that we actually picked, um, which was Tampa Bay, Carolina. Um, What were your thoughts on that game? So going into that game, I didn't think Carolina would hold their own to the level that they did. It's crazy that you could watch a football game and the team can be so far away from winning it, but also so close 
all at the same time. And Carolina was just going back and forth with Tampa all game long until one turnover happened for Carolina and, you know, the, the game was over. You can't give Tom Brady, even at the age that he's at, you can't give Tom Brady too many chances uh, with the ball. Or he going to make you pay. That still hasn't changed mm. uh, with Tom Brady. Uh, he put up a bunch of points, uh, and he just basically picked them apart. He he picked them apart when needed. Now, he was off that game. He he got maybe – he let four or five balls get away from him. I'm talking about deep balls to where if he connects on them, it's an absolute blowout. Uh, if he would have connected on even half of those, because they were big balls. He missed Antonio Brown a few times. Um, he missed Gronk. And maybe a running back. But there was some pretty some pretty uh, deep shots that he missed. And those guys was running, running wide open. And he missed them bad. Mike Evans. Mike Evans was the other guy. So we talking about a guy, Tom Brady, who finished with maybe four touchdowns. Or so I don't have the stats right in front of me. But I know he threw for three or four touchdowns. And he still allowed maybe another three touchdowns get away from him. Yeah. But Carolina, today, today, uh, today credit, they played a good first half. It was one of those games where a team was able to do whatever they wanted to do in the first half, and you're going to have time knowing some adjustments was going to be made. And the third quarter is basically when Tampa Bay took off and never looked back. Tampa Bay won this game in one quarter, and that was the third quarter. They had uh, 12 unanswered points. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul, he got the interception. Um, They converted. Lord Jesus, Carolina let them convert on third down all game long to where it was making me upset like I was a Panthers fan. <laughs> third and 19, and you let someone convert. Third and 19, man. Third and 19? Nah. All, all in the third quarter. They, Carolina did nothing. Matter of fact, Carolina didn't see the red zone uh, in a whole second half until uh, that kick return. They put them inside the 10 when they scored yeah. their final point of the game pretty much. But the game was just just won in the third quarter by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that got a, a little bit more uh, firepower on the offensive side, and uh, their defense w- w- was better that that day. And um, once again, something we talked about last week, I saw going into this game, Tampa Bay coming off of an embarrassing loss that absolutely shouldn't have went that way. Um so them them wanting to bounce back from that, Tom Brady never never having two bad games in a row of that mm-hmm. manner. I figured that and them just outright being more talented. Right. Um I figured Tom Brady would be able to go out there and pick pick apart that Carolina defense for the most part. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, I, I didn't think Carolina could keep score with Tampa Bay. They couldn't go touchdown for touchdown with Tampa right. Bay, which mm-hmm. ended up being the case, Tampa Bay you know, doubled them in, in score. Right. Um, but like you say, you, you give Tom Brady too many chances and, and he's going to eat. He's going to eat. It don't matter. Um, and, and that's, and that's even without talent, like Godwin, Evans, Antonio <laughs> Brown, Gronk. Um, so when you couple that with, with those type, those type of talented guys who are going to, make it easier for a quarterback. They're going to get open. They're going to make those contested catches. Um, and then you have Ronald Jones going for 100-plus yards, um, even without that 90, 90-some-yard touchdown. Um, that's that's pretty hard to, to come back when you have an offense who, 
I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is what he is. He's not he's not a gunslinger by any means. Mm-hmm. And, and and their receivers aren't great. They don't have a single great receiver, and their best player isn't playing right now. So, so I, I wouldn't say that their receivers are great by any means, but the production that they got from Moore and Anderson this year, to me, has been phenomenal. I think that just make it that much better once uh, Christian McCaffrey comes back and he's healthy. But I don't think you can downplay what Moore and Anderson ha- has done, or even Teddy Bridgewater to this to this point, what they all have done this season to me. Uh, they haven't been slouching at anything. It's just like you say, Tampa just simply have more more firepower. They have more talent than, than what Carolina have. Carolina was was moving the ball at will. Teddy was accurate. Momentum. Momentum just shifted before halftime, and, and Tampa never looked it back. When Moore caught that deep ball right before half, Carolina would have got out going into uh, halftime with an additional three points, but the referee said that that wasn't the catch. Ever since that play, it was it was all Tampa Bay, all Tampa Bay from that moment forward. Uh, yeah, and like I said, I'm not trying to <laughs> I'm not trying to discredit Teddy or uh, Anderson or you know any or, or any of them honestly. Um, but you know, like I mean, Anderson has had a, a decent season so far. I know you bigger on him than I am. I'm looking at his stats now: 64 catches. Uh, 772 yards, which and are both, decent, which are both top five in the NFL. Okay, I was about to say decent. That's, but then he got one touchdown, which yeah. is tied for 103rd. So hey. I don't, <laughs> like hey. even Julio Jones be out here like, with, with with 90 catches, yeah, 1300 yards, even five touchdowns. He's he not Julio Jones. <laughs> <laughs> like, like let's not even let, let's not let's not do that. He not Julio. Um, but, but regardless, like you say, they, it, when you look at it from top to bottom, they, it, it's not a game that they should have been winning anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tampa coming in with that kind of chip on their shoulder to write everything that they did wrong the week before that just proved to be too much for Carolina in the end. Yep. Um, Ooh. my game that I want to discuss, uh, man is Seattle and the Rams. Okay. I think I touched on this a little bit last week. Um, I, Yeah, I want to say I made this comment last week when I said the the before this week, I, the previous two or three weeks, we really saw that – we really saw why Russell Wilson should be the MVP of this league because mm-hmm. he he took Seattle – I want to say they had gotten to 5-0, and didn't they? They did. Seattle got to five and zero on nothing but Russell Wilson's avail- uh, ability to be a great mobile quarterback. Their offensive line is still as horrendous as it's been the past two three seasons. That hasn't changed at all. But Russell Wilson was able to overcome a horrendous offensive line and a horrible defense to get them to five and zero. The question was, how long can that last? And it didn't last long. It didn't last any longer than, than five, six games. Because these past few weeks, he's been getting he he's not able to escape these uh these defensive pressures and make these 
amazing throws um, as he was in the in the in the first quarter of the season. Now he's seen. I want to say he's been sacked at least five times three of the past four weeks. Um, Sunday it was six times, and he ended up having two interceptions. Um, I want to say the week before that, um, he threw three interceptions and was sacked about six or seven times. That Seattle team is very talented on offense, outside of the offensive line. And defensively, I don't know if it's just uh, them. uh, I don't know if it's, I'm quite sure the addition of Dunlap has something to do with it. But their defense honestly has played a little better than what they had that first quarter of the season. But once again, it's only so much you can ask of a quarterback. whose offensive line, <laughs> which I'm quite sure uh, reigns true now as it did a few years ago, is made up of tight ends that they turned into offensive linemen. Basically. And, yeah, so I, I, it's crazy how – I told you a few weeks ago, I was like, man, the only team in the NFC that scares me is Seattle. I, that was the only team. And now that I see, man, okay, now Russell Wilson can't keep up that type of production with that horrible of an O-line, especially if the defense is not going to stop nobody. Right. Um, And then you have Jalen Ramsey coming to this game and shuts down DK Metcalf completely. Takes him completely out of the football game. Yep. Uh, Two catches for 28 yards. That's all Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey shut that down completely. So... (laughs) Not only are you having offensive line troubles, but a guy that you were depending on heavily in order to be able to go out there and make plays on the ball for you gets taken out completely, and you get beat 23-16 by the Rams, who who offensively didn't have a great game themselves. Um, Goff didn't throw any touchdowns. He got sacked three times himself. Um, their best receiver was Josh Reynolds. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. like, I, um, I, I got blinded by how well Russell Wilson played those first five games. So I almost forgot how bad that offensive line was, and that they could crash back down to earth. But this doesn't look good for Seattle, a team that a lot of us had winning the division. Um, I'm not sure they will anymore. Honestly, and we've had our questions about the Rams too, but the Rams, it's never it's never been a oh, their offensive line is bad or oh, their defensive line is bad or the second it, it was just basically them either playing down to competition or just not showing up. And if that's the biggest problem for the Rams, I think they can I think they can capture this division. Um and that's not even and we haven't even got to the Cardinals. True. Um, but, yeah, so I, I went way too long on that. What's your thoughts about <laughs> uh, that? So coming into this game, Seattle was basically who I was saying Seattle was the last few weeks. Now, I love Russell Wilson. When I say love, I mean, to me, he's the second best quarterback in the NFL. And when he's on fire, sometimes I wonder, I, don't, I wouldn't say if he's better than Patrick Mahomes. But what I usually say is, is there anything Patrick Mahomes can do that Russ can't do? Yeah. Because 
and I'm I'm, not, I'm just gonna jump off t- off subject for just a quick second. In the playoffs, Pat Mahomes won game simply by his legs alone because people said, "Look, we're gonna play man to man. We're gonna keep a safety over top, and we're gonna hope for the best." That allowed Pat Mahomes to wait for all the defenders to turn their backs, and he just took off running for first downs. Teams won't play Russell Wilson like that. It's impossible to play Russ like that. So he can make all the throws that Pat can make. He just don't have the weapons. He don't have uh, Andy Reid. He don't have all the pieces. But going back to this this current situation with Seattle, I mean, it all falls on Russ. When he plays great, they look great. When he's even average, you have a chance to beat him. It's just that simple. Their division is tough. Uh, You know, you're going to have – possibly three teams will win the divisions or uh, 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 I'm sorry, winning records are very close to it. They're going to be fighting all year, you know, long to see who's going to capture that division. Um, but the first few weeks, it was special to see Russ do what he, what he done. But you knew at some point of time that hot streak was going to die down a little bit. Uh, the first, what, three games, I think he had 14 touchdowns passing and I think three or four rushing. You, you knew he couldn't keep that pace. Yeah. Uh, and even then, at times, teams had chances to make it out of a game. It's just that Russ was doing the impossible. And no matter how much they scored, he just went right back and put up another touchdown. But just seeing tape and um, teams are just getting tape on Seattle more and more. It's not like, you know, Russ is young or anything. But even to this, to this year, they use DK a little bit different than what they used them last year. The the more you the more you're successful, the more teams just going to be able to put in tape and say, hey, let's see what they did last week. Let's go back three weeks and see how effective they were. What what sets did they use? And that, to me, that's all that we're seeing. I said last week when we first, when we did the first show, if you watch Buffalo in that game two weeks ago against Seattle, from coin toss. From the time the game started, Buffalo defense knew exactly what was coming. Nothing truly, I would say, just caught them by surprise. So they they had an answer for everything. When when football games are played, and I'm a little older, so I'm not with all the the flashiness. I don't care about the the shaking bakes. What I look at is offensive line, defensive line, and I don't want my quarterback to turn the ball over. If you have those, you can be somewhat of a successful team in the NFL. And Seattle just have one of those. They have a great quarterback. The O-line is bad. The D-line is bad. They got good receivers on the outside. And I even said last week, you know, DK has blown up. Everybody's falling in love with him, but he's still not elite. He still don't go out there and win games. He still have weeks, two, three weeks in a row when you look at his stats or, or you watching the game, you're like, dang, don't they got DK? You know, what, when are they going to get him involved? Where's the smoke screen? Where's the, the deep shot? You know, is he even playing today? And and you really don't get that out of elite receivers. So Seattle's still in, to me, they're just in the process of putting it all together. And this was another game where you said, you know, hey, Jared Goff didn't win his game. He didn't have three, four touchdowns. They didn't run the ball down their throat. But it was the defense. Even uh, when the Rams is playing bad, they're not winning all the games they should win. For the most part, their defense is somewhat decent at worst. Anytime you have Jalen Ramsey, to me, you know, top three corner in the league, you have Aaron Donald, who's by far the best interior um, lineman, defensive lineman in football, you, you're going to have a chance to be successfully uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And that's what you saw Sunday. 
it was the Rams' defense. They won. The Rams' O-line looked much better Sunday, but, hey, they played Seattle. And this was a, a tight game starting off with. It was one that, you know, a couple plays bust the game wide open. I felt like when Seattle couldn't get off the field on third down, that's what hurt them. And I don't mean third and short. It was third and nine. They allowed the uh, screen pass to go for a first down. Uh, later on that same drive, that drive turned into a touchdown. Um, if you get off the field on third, third and long, I understand this is the NFL and, you know, teams are going to convert. But, man, third and nine, third and 12, you, you just can't let teams convert those, especially not four and five of those in one game and think you're going to win the game. And that's what happened. Yeah, and this is, for me, this is one of those games to where I can't even say the Rams want, like, this is a game to me Seattle just lost. Right. Like, they're all, like, <laughs> once again, their O-line is horrible. Their yep. D-line is damn near just as bad. Yep. If you don't have an O-line in the, in the NFL, there's nothing you can do. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you can't nothing. do nothing if you don't nothing. have an O-line, no matter how Russell Wilson is the top two quarterback in this league, and I'm not sure that he's number two, to be honest. But yeah, I feel the same way at times, yeah. Yeah, but so, but without an old line, there's nothing that he's going to be able to do, and it's tough to watch. Um, but it's it's the reality of his situation. Yeah, there's a game you you go in saying if you Seattle, <clears throat> if you want to win this game, I felt like the defense was going to have to somehow cause at least two, maybe three turnovers, uh, or either get some big stops on third down if you wanted to win this game. And when they finally did get a turnover, Russ went right back out there and threw an interception. He gave it right back, you know, the very next drive. And the only time Seattle get pressure is when they send it, when they blitz their safeties. That's the only time that they get home. Or even force the quarterback to, to get off of his spot before he throws the ball is, is when they send safeties. They get nothing from their front four. It's just hard to win like that. Exactly. Um, anything anything else you wanted to touch on from this past week? Not from this past week. I think um a lot of the games went uh as expected. I don't think there were no uh, no shockers uh or whatnot. Um me and you we spoke off off air about the Cincinnati Pittsburgh game. I had that game being just a little bit closer. Now, I, I never thought Cincinnati was going to win that game. Yeah. I just thought that they would have played them just a little bit tighter than what they Agreed. played. Agreed. Um, honestly, the only outcome I was shocked by this week was Thursday, the Thursday night game, which was the Colts and the Titans. I didn't see that game going that way. Um, but once again, the Colts have an amazing defense. Um, and if Phillip Rivers ever going, you know, if Phillip Rivers going to show up, uh, show up and play like he played Thursday night, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat them, honestly. And that's a team that's still at this point flying under the radar. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, Phillip Rivers, you know, he, sometimes he turns the ball over, but for the most part, he's real, he's real careful with the football, um, sometimes to a fault to where he takes some sacks he shouldn't. Um, but yeah, if he gonna go out there and throw 300 yards and not turn the ball over, that team gonna be hard to beat because that defense not gonna give up much. And see, I don't believe in the coach defense yet. Uh, I don't I, care what the, I don't care what the stats say. 
Uh, I don't care what they record say. And I mean, they, I feel like their defense, they just a team, not just the defense. They are a team that has simply just overachieved. Now they can get better and finish with, you know, a top two, top three defense in the league because they pretty much already there right now. But they're just one of those teams that I can't get excited for. I feel like no matter what they finish, they could finish, they could go to go undefeated the rest of the, the year. And when the playoffs start, I think this is a team that everything that that they were successful doing all season long would be minimized to a point where it will put them at a disadvantage. So, I mean, kudos to to the coach. They're doing great uh, or whatnot, but I'm just not scared of the coach. So I don't think they they put fear in any of the top AFC teams yet. That's crazy. Uh, that's something we're actually going to have to keep an eye on going forward because I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going to say that they should put fear in, in, in any team, but I don't think that defense is going to get, get – I, I think that defense is able to keep any team in check. And Sunday is going to be – we're going to get a real good look at that because they play Green Bay. Mm-hmm. But um, I definitely think that that defense can keep any team in the NFL in check. It's all about what can they get from the offensive side of the football. What are they gonna get from Phillip Rivers and his receivers? Mm-hmm. Um, they got and even back, so we're gonna see how that goes. But and yeah, even the run game, I definitely believe in their defense. It goes back to even what they get out of the run game as well, because it could be one of those games where they get almost absolutely anything from their running back position. Like they have a few times this year. Well, see, that's my thing. They their running backs are Alvin Kamara. They use them like Naheem Hines is a receiver out of the backfield. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think they even really look to really try to run the football in a traditional sense at this point because I think they realize that that's not something they're going to be able to do successfully as mm-hmm. a team. And when you can't do that, NFL teams know that, which causes them to load more boxes, and it forces your quarterback, who gives the ball away at times, more opportunities to to do that, to throw interceptions. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not taking nothing away from the coach. I'm, I'm not taking absolutely nothing away from the coach as a team. They're doing great. I just feel like they overachieved at this point, and I just feel like it's one of those teams, no matter how great, they do all year long when the playoffs come um, and you tell me such and such got to go travel to the coach or the coach got to go play such and such. I'm saying it's a, it's a toss up game at, at, at worst for that team. It's, it's a toss up game. Uh, if you look at Pittsburgh, if you look at Kansas city, if you look at teams that, that even struggled such as the Ravens, uh, all those teams, I feel like match up with the coach. And probably would be uh, favorable to beat them. Yeah, all three of those teams for sure would be favored to beat them. Me and you uh, feel differently about Pittsburgh. I feel like they've overachieved. Yeah, um, exactly. That's another example. I feel like once the playoffs come, everything that that Pittsburgh have done to this point to be undefeated, I feel like half of that stuff is not going to work. You got to be able to score points if you're going to win in the playoffs. Now, defense matters, but at some point, you're going to have to put up 30 uh, plus points to, to beat some of these good teams. And I just don't see Phillip Rivers doing that. I don't see him going out there <laughs> winning games. If you're telling me they have no rushing attack, and when they have to play against a good team that more than likely is going to have a above average defense, and it's going to take Phillip Rivers to go out there and throw three and four touchdowns and be mistake free and don't turn the ball over. To win, 
Yeah, I just don't see that. Uh, yeah, I don't want. I don't want to get too far into this conversation. Like I know we can end up doing, <laughs> but my question is: Then who are those teams? Like you telling me that if they have to prepare to go play a team that has a good defense and can put up all these points, there's only one team. Well, there's no team in the AFC that's doing that. Well, if they do it when they need to do it. That's what I'm saying. So if you look at a team, and I hate to use the Kansas City Chiefs because they are the I mean, that's the only team fans. that you can even try to use at this point. So go ahead. That's loaded on the offensive side of, of the ball. But what I'm saying is even if, if they wind up meeting, let's just say, for instance, the Patriots, with all the struggles that the Patriots have uh, on the offensive side of the ball, it would not absolutely shock me if they win a close ball game against the Colts. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it would shock me completely. Yeah, it like, would. There's, there's, there's probably two teams to where I would look at. In the, honestly, at this point, it's only the Chiefs. There's only one team that I would look at in the AMC and be like, yeah, they're not going to beat They're not gonna beat the uh, Chiefs. Like that, that, Outside of that, if you tell me any matchup with the Colts, I can, I'll probably take the Colts at this point. The, the way I look at the Colts is, is almost how I look at the Cleveland Browns. Um, they, on, on paper, they have what should be a good team. Even if you look at certain things that the Cleveland Browns do, you're like, wow, okay, good job, Cleveland. You run the ball that effectively. We all know that. But, you know, your defensive line is that good. Okay, good job. Um, you have – you know, what should be at least one decent, one good, decent corner on the team. All right. They have all this stuff that makes them uh, out to be something that they should be better than. And I'm just saying, as of right now, I feel like the coach simply overachieved at this point. I feel like if you reverse state record, I'm not even sure. I think they won six games uh, this year. How many games yeah, they won? Yeah, they're six and three right now. Six and three. I think if you reverse that and then three and six at this point, nobody goes. Wow, man! I thought this was gonna be the coach year right here. I thought I'm just saying I just don't see that happening. I just feel like they have overachieved to this point. I mean, all right. <laughs> I mean, you saying that they overachieved isn't something that I can disagree with necessarily. Where our disagreement comes in at is you don't believe in that defense. Uh, and after nine weeks of watching that defense, I think for sure that that defense is real. That that defense could be a Super Bowl winning defense, wow. but where we agree is that they don't have the quarterback or the run game to win a Super Bowl. And like, when you, I, I agree with you there, but like I said, what we disagree is I think they have a, a Super Bowl winning defense at this point. And what I'm looking at is the grand scheme of things. Like I said before, all season, if you're looking at it as a season standpoint, yes, that is a, a pretty decent, pretty good defense. But I'm talking about once the playoffs start, if you can't move the ball offensively, that's going to put that defense right back on the field. I'm just saying I don't think they're that good. To me, you're saying that they're elite, which means they can bail out this offense uh, when when they have to in the playoffs. I'm just saying I don't see that out of this defensive unit. They're not and once again, I wouldn't necessarily even call them elite, but I'm also saying that the AFC – isn't producing that many teams to where I feel like they would actually have to worry about being put in that situation. Okay. Like so, the Chiefs is that only is that only team. All right. So this is what we're saying. When and I'm just throwing teams out from the AFC. Uh, when they play against the Ravens, you got the Ravens, you got Kansas City, you have Miami's getting hot, mm -hmm. you have the Bills. When they play against those level of teams, 
in the playoffs. The Titans probably be back there uh, in the playoffs some way, a uh, 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 form or fashion. Uh, you may Titans against those type of teams. That's what I'm saying in the playoffs. I don't see it. they. They may prove me wrong, but I'm just saying I don't see that what from the teams right now. <laughs> From the Bills offensively or the Titans offensively that make you think that they that they can that they can do something that the Colts can't. Well, we talked about um Russell Wilson, how hot he was in the beginning of the year. I think people already have forgot how hot Josh Allen was looking when the season first started. Josh Allen was lighting people up when the year first started. He was, and that's going that he's falling back to earth. He had, but so has Tannehill as well. Ryan Tannehill is the same way. But check this out. Just just like Russell Wilson has has fallen down to earth, we still know where Russ is, though. And I'm not saying that Russ is even closer. Russ falling down to earth isn't because of Russ. Russ falling down to earth is he has no O line. So what that got to do with him throwing balls that he shouldn't throw? That that everything with him throwing balls that he shouldn't. If he can every single play. If he has no time to do anything but throw the ball up and hope so, that one of his receivers can make a play on it, that has everything to do with it. Okay, was, so, so let me was, get you saying him not having nobody open and him throwing the ball away or taking a sack and living to fight another day, punting the ball off, you saying you would rather him throw that ball, that out route he threw to Greg Olson that got picked. That was a horrible throw. The what's one, going to happen if he eats the sack and gives the ball up? We don't know. I know what's going to happen. Maybe the defense will get a stop. Maybe the guy must the punt, but I know oh, if I make the pass, that one get praying for muff punts, Reg. Okay, so look, we Jamal can't, Adams. Can't live. We can't live off of praying for uh, look, check uh, me out. punts. Check me out. Jamal Adams went out there and got and, and caused the turnover. He got the strip sack on the quarterback. On uh, Jared Jared Gall gave Russ the ball. Russ threw the ball across his body, to get intercepted in the in the, in the uh, end zone. What I'm saying is, I'm not faulting Russ for everything that's wrong with Seattle. But when a quarterback has those kind of turnovers, they have to take that responsibility. That's all I'm saying. And I'm telling you that. Okay, so what? So what's? The, and I can agree. Okay, you telling me plays like that should happen? I agree. But what's what's happening more often? Plays like that or him just not having time? Either way, I'm just saying it's not – you can't do that. This isn't a Hail Mary that got picked off. I'm saying we was in field goal range when Russ threw that interception. The defense just – you know your defense bad. They just gave you the ball. You can't go back out there and turn it over again. It's not like they needed seven and he was forcing he, – he was forced I mean, to throw he the ball. seven. He always needs seven because his oh defense is <laughs> he always needs to, like this is the same argument like this is this is I don't want once again we get way too off off track here but this is the same thing that we saw with Jay Cutler when he was in Chicago all those years and had no type of offensive line and people wanted to fault him for for being a bad quarterback which I'm not saying he was Russell Wilson I'm not saying he was a top five quarterback ever in his career but I'm saying. That man dealt with a horrible offensive line his entire career and still made a good career for himself. Now, and imagine if he had an average offensive line ever. And if you, if I have to sit here and talk about Jay Cutler, I'm just going to say we might as well move on because nothing positive is going to come out of my mouth about Jay Cutler. 
Russell Wilson, I mean, Russell Wilson is put in the same situation Jay Cutler was put in his entire career. And I can't, and there's no way you're going to get me to blame Russell Wilson for that. Or, or for, for me to even give him the majority of a blame for something like that. What I'm saying is we praise Russell Wilson when he does great. When he, when he overcomes a bad defense and a bad offensive line, he deserves praise. True. True, but when you throw balls, nobody has a problem with you turning the ball over in certain situations. What I'm saying is, Sid, the, the blatant interceptions, the ones when once he throw the ball, he has to go to the sideline and say, wow, why did I throw that one? Them. When you see him on the sideline and he obviously know he should have never thrown that ball, that's the ones I'm talking about. If and you I'm go back, you how often is that happening, Reg? The last, the last like two games. It's every other possession thing. No, no, no. I'm just saying the last two games it done happened four, four or five times, and like we, like we said, in order for them to even come close to to being to winning the game, he can't turn he can't turn the ball over. That's something that we absolutely know. However, he's human and he's going to do it. What I'm saying is, going back to Josh Allen, we've seen what Josh Allen can do when he's playing hot, when he's playing out of his mind. Only thing I'm saying is I'm I believe in teams like Buffalo that have a mobile quarterback who can beat you more than one way offensively. They do not struggle to run the ball, and when Josh Allen is hot, he's strong for three and three fifty. I'm saying I believe that mixed with Buffalo's defense more than I believe in um, the Colts with their quarterback not turning the ball over. I feel like Josh Allen. What's my man in Tennessee? Ryan Tannehill. I feel like those teams have a better chance of not turning the ball over and winning games than the Colts just relying on their defense. Yeah, and I disagree because I don't think you can rely. I don't think you can rely on Josh Allen to not turn the ball over, uh, especially in those moments because we've seen it. Um, and Ryan Tannehill is the same way. I don't think you can rely on him not turning the football over. Um, but yeah, anyway, anyway, we got way too sidetracked. This we're gonna have to cut a lot of this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so looking looking forward to and before before we move on, before we move on, like you just said, you can't rely on Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill, but you feel like we can rely on Philip Rivers to not turn it over. Yes. Okay. That that that's that, and I don't believe in that. I just don't believe in that. Okay. If Philip Rivers is going to be successful, he has to take chances because he he's not moving. He's not leaving out the pocket. He's going to have to take chances. And with that comes turnovers alone. I hear you. Oh, so looking forward to next week and the, and the games that we're going to pick. Um, we'll start with Thursday night because Thursday night is the game I want to pick. Thursday night we got the Cardinals and we got the Seahawks. Um and the Seahawks are minus three. Um, I'm taking the Cardinals and the 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 Seahawks fall from graces happen so quickly and and uh and so horribly. Um, which is crazy because they're still six and three at this point. Um, but once it. The things we just talked about, uh, Seattle offensive line not being good, not being average. Um, 
that defensive line not really being able to to get much pressure or to to stop anybody from doing anything. Um, and the secondary really not being too much better. They have their moments, but they really not much better. I think Kyler Murray can do whatever he – I think he's going to toy with their defense, if we're being honest. Um, running the football and throwing it. Uh, they don't have anybody that's going to get out there and be able to be successful against DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and I don't think – honestly, I don't think there's anybody that they're going to be able to throw on people like Christian Kirk either or Larry Fitzgerald for that mm-hmm. matter. Can you yeah. bring it back? Um, I think Arizona is really going to have their way with Seattle's uh, defense, and the Cardinals' defense is pretty good. Like, I, there, this isn't going to be one of those teams that Seattle is able to um, put up thirty points against, which I think would necessarily have to be the case if they want to win that game. So I'm, I'm taking Arizona plus three in that. I would take Arizona um, in this game as well, simply because, like you said, their defense is just so much better than what Seattle defense has been. The only thing that I would give Seattle a little leeway with is Seattle is really bad um, guarding tight ends, receiving tight ends, and they won't have to worry about that with Arizona because Arizona really don't have a tight end that threaten uh, any team. So they don't have to deal with that. However, Colin Murray being in open space, that's a lot for anybody to deal with, uh, especially when you have no pass rush the way Seattle has. Anytime they see Adams come in the box, uh, Arizona really should pick that apart. Um, and Seattle is going to have to rely on man coverage at some point of this game. They can't – you got the force turnovers. You can't sit back in zone coverage and just be super relaxed and hope Colin mess up and give you the ball. They, they're they going to have to play man on, on some of these third downs and just hope that they can cause him to throw the ball a second before he wants to, and he's not as accurate as he usually is. But I really uh, – I see Russ having a decent a decent day against Arizona's defense as well. I just think Kyle Murray gets more help from his defense, and um, that's why Arizona get this, get this win. Seattle defense is so bad, I just – I just can't see them holding anybody under 30 points or so, uh, yeah. especially quarterback as good as Kyler Murray. Um, okay. Um, the game you wanted to tackle this week was? Uh, the game that I saw was Miami. Miami oh. Yeah, Miami is uh, minus three against Denver. And as soon as I saw this game, every time I see the sheet, um, it's at least one or two games that jump up. And I, without even looking into it, I'm like, boom, that. One. And, and that was this was this game for me. Uh, now, Miami is not a powerhouse team. Um, Tua is getting a lot of love right now. A lot of people is on the, the Tua train and hyping them up the way we normally do a new quarterback, especially mobile quarterbacks or flashy quarterbacks and whatnot. But I'm not sold on Tua yet. Um, the, what I do like that the Dolphins offensive staff is doing, they're giving him a little bit, just a little bit more every week. You know, normally it's, it's you know, giving, putting the ball in the running back's gut or either he'll, he'll give you a play action from here to there. But they're starting to open up the playbook just a little bit more. And I think they're going to continue to do that against Denver. 
Denver's just a bad team. Like, three points to Denver, uh, Miami should be able to overcome that. By all means, their defense has been playing great. I know their defense can't keep scoring touchdowns or, or even, you know, causing all these turnovers or whatnot, but it's Denver, man. Like, Lark is banged up. They're not even sure if he's going to play at this point. And if he can't go, Brett Ripton or either Jeff uh, Driscoll uh, uh, get the start in his replace. So if you're telling me that I have to play either one of those quarterbacks, even a starting quarterback, if I have to play any one of those guys, I like my chances if I'm Miami. Um, yeah, there's a lot there. So the Miami thing with Tua, the Tua, the Tua thing is interesting because, like you say, the hype around him at this point is just him being a rookie quarterback and him not looking horrible at this point because he hasn't looked great. He's just not turning the ball over. He, That's he's it. Done, he's done what he's been asked to do, and he's been put in some great situations by his defense. Yep. which we knew were gonna was and was going to be a good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, the Denver thing, like you say, man, Denver is just in a. I won't say that they're a bad team, but injuries has really has really dismantled them. Yep, that's um, true. And like you say, uh, their quarterback situation, Drew Locke isn't. I don't think he's the answer for them anyway. <laughs> but looking at what's behind him, they're definitely not. They're not gonna. Uh, they're not in a good situation to not be playing him at all. Right. Um, so I agree with you. I definitely uh, take Miami. Um, minus I would definitely take Miami uh, minus three and a half in that game or three, yeah. whatever you saw it at. Yeah, um, I think I think whether the lock play or not, Miami will probably hold them to uh, – Right at 300 or under 300 yards um, and, you know, just control the line of scrimmage and, and just be successful. And I definitely see it being a low-scoring game. I see the over-under being 45, and I would take the under. Um, right, me too. Because mm-hmm. you also don't know – I don't know exactly what the weather is going to be like in Denver Sunday, but we don't know how two is going to react to the weather out there or, or the team in general, honestly to uh, a cold weather situation now that we're in November, you know? Right. Um, and I think it – didn't they have a snow game there just a couple weeks ago? I believe they did. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's definitely going to be a low-scoring game, but mm-hmm. I, I don't have – I don't see any reason why Miami can't be pulling that out by six points or a touchdown. Yeah, and you touched on all the talent that Denver really have. It's just injuries. But yep. even – Everybody was healthy, right? Even if you got Von Miller and everybody healthy and you got Sutton uh, lining up on the outsides, to me, they still would be a quarterback away. Uh, I, I just don't like Locke. I'm not sold on him. Yeah, I'm about to say they can, but I do think that they have the talent on their team to not have that quarterback that can have them sitting um, close to the top of their division at this, but still be a way better team. Like, I don't think Drew Locke is a horrible quarterback. I'm not looking at Drew Locke and being like, damn, that's that's how people feel about Mitch Trubisky, you know? Mm. I don't I don't see him as being that bad. I think that if he had all his weapons, he could be a serviceable quarterback. By serviceable, what you mean by that? Like, like give me an example of who you consider to be a serviceable quarterback. Because out of all the teams in the NFL with starting quarterbacks, I would have him bottom seven, maybe. Um, off the top. 
I mean, and I can't say that I disagree with that either, but how much have you actually been able to see from him as well? Well, what I have saw, I haven't liked. I can tell you exactly. that. I mean, and, and once again, we, we're talking about a team that's dismantled with injuries, yeah. amongst other things. Well, it's just the eye test as well. He, Of course. Yeah, I mean, we will see a little bit more of him when they're, when they're a little bit more healthy, and maybe he can uh, get some help from his defense when his defense is healthy. I just think overall, just, just like Jimmy G, I, I hate to get off subject and, and jump from team to team, but I know you like Jimmy G a little bit more than me, and I just felt like even last year when San Francisco was healthy offensively, he was still the weak point of their offense. If he plays great, they blow people out. We seen them come to the to the Superdome or the Ben Zone last year and beat New Orleans Saints and had to me his best pro game ever against the Saints. He balled. But he has those times where I think San I speak with a lot of San Francisco fans where they're like, hey, we just want him to throw the intercept or throw the two intercepts, lose the fumble. Let him do all that in the first half. Because we know after he get that out of his system, he's gonna be okay. And I'm just saying with Locke, I just feel like if Denver was healthy offensively and defensive, uh, defensively and offensively, he was he would probably still be the weak link. If you put a, a better quarterback there, I think uh, Denver offense has a chance to be scary. They really got some weapons over there. And I'm and once again, I'm not there to disagree with the fact that he'd be the weak the the weak spot on their offense, but also or on their team in general. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't, I don't. That doesn't necessarily mean bad to me, you know. Okay. I, got like, you. I, I don't think Teddy. I think Teddy Bridgewater is the weak point of that team. But that's that. That, that doesn't make him a bad quarterback, you know. That's you a terrible quarterback. You have him the weak link of Carolina's team, like offensively. I'm sorry. Yes, you said you said offensively. Yeah. Um, in general, I think he probably is the weak. No, I'm lying. Uh, they're secondary. But, oh, yeah, uh, right. Teddy, yeah, their running back position with Christian McCaffrey, um, the collection of Roby Anderson, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, uh, maybe their O-line, maybe. But yeah, I don't, Because I don't, that, that's, that's what I was going to go with is the O-line. And I know we're kind of jumping off again, but I think, man, I've been really impressed with Teddy this year. Pretty much, I mean, this was a season like no other season. You don't get all the opportunities to train and get routes uh, patting down with your receivers and all this good stuff. And I just felt like he's played, to me, better than what I thought he would look, given the fact he's a guy that's not known for throwing the ball downfield, and he's done that greatly. I just feel like, Coming into this year, we could make a case that Carolina was the worst team in our division before the season started. Uh, and now they look so much better than the Falcons. Not given, even if you look at Teddy's team, he has an elite running back, even if you want to say he has the best running back in the division. But New Orleans still have Elvin Kamara. You know, New Orleans have Michael Thomas. Atlanta has Julio. Tampa has all those weapons, and even Tampa has running backs on their team. But all the other teams have a great, at least one great receiver that you feel like is top 10. Some teams have two. I mean, Teddy's out there with Moore and Anderson, and they're not slouching, but I'm saying they're not whoever, they're not as good as every, the other receivers on the other team in the division. So I just feel like Teddy, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call him weak at all this year, to be honest with you. 
Uh, wait, what's the last thing you said? I said I just wouldn't call him weak. To me, he's he's bald to me. I mean, he's done. Oh yeah, definitely disagree on that because yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't surprise. His play this year hasn't surprised me anything because it's no more or no less than what I've seen from him in his past. Okay, yeah. To me, he looks he, much. He looks much better to me in Carolina. And to, than he and to Minnesota. me, the only difference I've seen from him this year is he's he's taking more shots down the field. And connecting because a lot yeah. of quarterbacks, and, are that's, and that's the only thing different. That's the only difference I've seen. Yeah. yeah, and I mean he's he's done this. I think they only won three games or so, but they've been in a bunch. Um, but he's just in a a strong division. I mean Tampa and and New Orleans, we for real, you know. Um, and he's doing he done this without Christian McCaffrey. I mean that's in itself kind of crazy to be in games without Christian McCaffrey. And you have other teams in the league that have even more talent, and they're not doing half of what Carolina is doing at this point. All right. Um, of course, our last game will be the Saints and the Falcons. Um, the Saints are minus five against Atlanta on Sunday. Mm-hmm. In the dome. Yep, in the dome. Minus five. Um, man, <laughs> Atlanta is uh, Atlanta is if, if if I couldn't be a Falcon fan, I I don't understand how they put up with the frustrations that have come with that team since being up twenty eight three in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and to <laughs> and, and it's not because of a lack of talent. Injuries has played a part, but it's not because of a, a, a lack of talent in any shape or form. Um, this team is talented from top to bottom. Um, they're in the middle of switching coaches at this point, um, but they, they're still a good team, and it's still a, a divisional game. Is It's going to be closer than it should be, regardless of who wins. <laughs> It's going well. No, we should win, but it's going to be way closer than it should be. Ah, five. I take the I take Atlanta to cover. I think Atlanta covers. I definitely see us winning the game. I don't. This isn't. This isn't me thinking that they're going to cover because Drew Brees isn't out there either. Is is one of those. It's one of those Atlanta has more talent than people realize because of how they come out and look at times. And it's also that they're going to give their, they give their best effort whenever they come to see New Orleans. And even though I think that defensively we're, we're better than them, period. Defensively, we're better than them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man... We we're still capable of giving up those deep plays um, that shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> we're still about to have to go out here and match up with not only Julio Jones but with Calvin Ridley on the other side, who normally kills us. And then we have to worry about Hayden Hurst, who has looked good. Um, Todd Gurley, like I said, I'm not too worried about the run game, but Atlanta isn't a team that's going to abandon their run game at all. Um. Like I say, it's going to be a close game. I wonder what the, the over under is fifty. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm going to take Atlanta to cover. The Saints to win, but Atlanta to cover. Okay. Um, I I have Atlanta covering too, but I have them covering for the for the reason that you said you don't, and that's Drew Brees. If Drew Brees was here, I would take New Orleans to cover, but with Drew Brees being out, um, I'm going with Atlanta covering. And another thing you said is you think that Atlanta uh, won't abandon the run game. I don't think they will abandon the run game. I think they're going to run it just enough to keep us honest, but yeah. they're going to take these shots often uh, in the game, and they're going to continue to do that. Uh, Julio in itself is a problem. All the rest of the weapons, like you said, Hurst is starting to come on. He was very quiet over there the first few weeks that he got over there, and that surprised me because you, we saw how they used Austin Hooper last year, the success he had, especially in the, in the red zone. I thought Hurst would be able to kind of do the same things, but uh, he was quiet the first couple weeks that he got over there, but he's starting to come, come into his own now. But I think this game is going to be closer than, than what everybody uh, have it to be. It's a rival game. It's a division game. You can never overlook those. But I just think that Atlanta have a lot of offense. They have a lot of offensive weapons. And when they're clicking, they're scary. And to this point, Atlanta is one of those teams that has underachieved. We just got finished talking about, you know, the Panthers, how, how you feel like the Panthers and Teddy is not doing enough. And when you look at it, Carolina record is basically the same as Atlanta. And we know how much talent that Atlanta have over there. Mm-hmm. So get, get, they're going to get up the players. That, that's one thing for sure. They're not going to come in there hanging their hat. And they have to play against the Saints. We about to see the the absolute best ver- version of the Falcons that they possibly have. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely have Atlanta covering the five and a half point spread to this point. Um. And just to throw something out there, man, me and Sid picked three games last week, and all three of them hit. So if you somebody that uh, that you're looking for teams to take in the NFL side of things for these bet uh, for the odds, you go to the bookies, the casinos, or whatnot, and you put in your sports bets. We we pick three games, all three games hit. So uh, y'all better pay attention to this knowledge, man. <laughs> so we're gonna end this episode right here, um, but there will be an additional show this week with our NBA takes. Um, with the offseason starting up and trades kicking up, the draft is tomorrow. Um, we're going to take some time to address some stuff there, too, as well. Nice. Looking forward to it. Once again, man, just want to say thank you all for taking some time out and listening to it. Um, you know, it's a lot of other podcasts that you guys could be out there supporting, but we thank you all for giving us your ear for 45 minutes to an hour once a week. And these shows will be better. And uh, don't be afraid to to drop some knowledge on us. Like Sid uh, mentioned earlier in the show, continue to uh, give us topics to talk about. Continue to give us your takes, the things you did like and you didn't like. And uh, we're going to keep this thing going. And we appreciate all the love. Absolutely.